Know ye not that they which run in a race run all? But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. And every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. But I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached to others, I myself should be a castaway. Amen. So look back up. At, so at the end of verse 27, first off, at the end of verse 27, he said, I myself should be a castaway. What Paul's talking about here, he's talking about running a race. He's talking about fighting a fight. He's talking about trying to get a crown. He's talking about winning a prize. And then at the end, he says in verse 27, that I myself should be a castaway. That castaway is not a castaway from salvation or a castaway from losing your salvation. He's talking about castaway in the end of the race that he didn't even get close to winning the race. He didn't even place in the race or in the fight. He's just a castaway. Basically, he didn't even run in the race. That's that castaway. So that has nothing to do with salvation. But go back up to verse 24 because I'm going to show you what I want to preach on this morning. Know ye not that they which run in a race run all. Uh, Every Christian underneath the sound of my voice, you're in a race. (laughs) Jesus Christ has put you in a race. We're we're saved by grace, not of works. Amen. But verse 10 tells us, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 tells us that we are are created for good works. You're, You're created to do something for the Lord Jesus Christ. You weren't created just to sit on the couch. You're created to run. You're created to fight. You're created to do something for the Lord. So we're all in a race. But one receiveth the prize, so run that ye may obtain. Guys, this, God's not the kind of God that, like you see in these, uh, in these little league uh, baseball games or in these t-ball baseball games where everybody gets a trophy at the, end of the, at the end of the game. Everybody gets a ribbon. That's not how God works. God's going to give a person, a man or woman, the prize that they deserve. Amen. Amen. You're not going to go in there and say, well, I didn't do anything for you, Lord, but where's my prize? That's not how God works. You've got salvation. You're going to get into heaven, but there's rewards. And some of us are going to get more rewards than others because God's a just God. He's not going to allow you to sit around and do nothing and not train yourself, not discipline yourself, not have good habits. You're not going to be a Christian with bad habits, bad discipline, bad training, and then show up in heaven and say, okay, God, give me everything. God's going, no, you don't deserve anything. I'm going to give this man or woman that's trained, that's disciplined, that's had good habits, that's done something for me. They're the ones that's going to win the prize. See, that's the kind of Lord we serve. He's a just Lord. So run that ye may obtain. So guys, I'm here to tell you this morning, you need to be running your race of Christianity. You need to be fighting your fight of Christianity like you're going to get a prize. Because you will get a prize. Or you'll get a prize took away from you. Man, there's nothing worse than see the trophy and you're right there to get it. And the Lord said, I know that don't belong to you. That belongs to somebody over here. Jesus Christ said, you know what Jesus Christ said? He said, those that will be first will be last. Those are the last to be first. So there's a lot of people who you, you're seeing running this race, and you see them on TV, and they're big celebrity Christians, and you think, oh, man, what, what place does God have for them up in heaven? Oh, what place does God have for them up in heaven? And we're going to be shocked when we get up into heaven, and we start seeing, lining up to get our prizes at the judgment seat of Christ, and God says, hey, you, I know you think you belong at the first of the line, but you need to get at the back of the line. I think we're going to be shocked. And we're going to see some of these Christians that nobody's ever heard of, nobody knows anything about, and God's going to say, hey, you at the back, I want you to come up here to the front. And they're going to get all the, they're going to get the prize, they're going to get the reward. Guys, you're in a race. Verse 25, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. So the first thing you need to know is you need to be temperate. If you're going to strive for this prize, if you're going to master this prize, you need to be temperate. Now, temperate is even, it's even, it's like a, the best way I could put it is not overdoing things, not overdoing things, and not underdoing things. It's temperate. Now, a lot of things are not evil in themselves that we do, but we overdo these things, and when we overdo these things, we make them evil. When we overdo fishing, when we overdo hunting, when we overdo sports, when we overdo work, when we overdo the love of family, when we put family above God, those are things we're overdoing. They're not evil in themselves, but when you overdo them to the point that you're overdoing when they're coming in between you and serving the Lord Jesus Christ, guys, that's not being temperate. You're overdoing them. 
But there's some things you can underdo. You can underdo prayer. You can underdo Bible reading. You can underdo church. You can underdo your sacrificial life that you need to have for Jesus Christ. You can underdo these things, and when you're underdoing them, they're keeping you from serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. You're not being very temperate. So temperate just means you're not overdoing things, and you're not underdoing things. He says, and every man that striveth for the mastery is temperate in all things. You've got to be temperate. A, a good fighter, a good boxer, a good runner, and uh, brother uh, Tyler can tell us this, he's not overeating. A good runner can't eat 15 pounds of food and then say, okay, now in an hour I'm going to run this one mile race. So you can't, you, you can't be, you can't be doing stuff like that. You know, you got to say, hey, I'm not going to be eating so much because I know I'm about to be running a mile or what'll happen about a hundred feet into that 200. You'll be over there on the side of the side of the road puking because you've eaten too much. You're not, you got to be temperate and somebody who's doing something for the Lord. They're very temperate in all things. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown. When a person's running a race, he's doing it to get a gold medal. He's doing it to get a crown, to get a ribbon. That's why we do it in this world that people live in. The, the, the boxers, the fighters, the football players, the baseball players. They're doing it because they want to eventually get the prize, win a ring, win the Lombardi trophy, whatever it is. And that's what they should deserve because they're the best of the best. And they've won the prize. But in Christianity, we're not doing it for a prize like that. We're doing it for an uncorruptible crown. See that? But we are we an incorruptible crown. Incorruptible. In other words, these, the Lombardi trophy is going to go away. A thousand, years into the, a thousand years into eternity, who's going to care? Who's going to even remember who won a Super Bowl? But this crown you're going to get at the judgment seat of Christ, guys, it will last forever. It will be an eternal crown. These are eternal rewards. Guys, these are reasons why we strive. We strive because we're not talking about something that's temporal, that'll last 70, 80, 100 years, however long you live. These things we're striving for, friends, they're going to be lasting forever. They're eternal. They're incorruptible. Uh, I've heard of stories of a, of a, a guy winning a Super Bowl and getting a, a Super Bowl ring. And a Super Bowl ring, it don't matter what Super Bowl it is, is worth thousands of dollars. And if it's the right Super Bowl ring, could be worth $100,000. And I've heard of guys having those rings and getting them stolen from them. And having their rings stolen from them. This last Super Bowl, when uh, Tom Brady won the Super Bowl, his, his uh, jersey got stolen. And it was a big deal after the Super Bowl. Where'd his jersey go? Why was it so important? Because that jersey was important to him. It was a crown to him. It was, hey, I want to put this jersey up because this jersey is the one I wore when I won this Super Bowl, this unforgettable Super Bowl. It's worth hundreds of thousands of dollars. And it was stolen from him. Guys, that's the kind of crown that can be stole from you. But this crown that Jesus Christ wants to give you, no man can steal from you. And it'll last forever. Do you see how important this stuff is? But we don't see it. We're seeing things with the flesh, and we're not thinking about what God has for us. Now, they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible crown. What, you're, what the Lord's saying there in verse 25 is simply this, is you need to be disciplined. Guys, you need to be disciplined. Look at verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. What he's trying to say to you is that you need to be disciplined in your training. Uh, if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ, disciple, that word disciple is tied to discipline. Disciple, discipline. You need to be disciplined. Discipline, let me give you a definition of discipline. Training, discipline means to training that corrects or molds or perfects the mental facilities or moral character. So you're disciplining yourself to be a better Christian, you're disciplining yourself to be a better person, you're disciplining yourself. And that's what every Christian needs. Every Christian, I need the sound of my voice, including me as a preacher, we need to be more disciplined. Amen. We need to be more disciplined, friends. Uh, even if you are disciplined, you need more discipline. Dr. Ruttman used to tell us that we'd sit in class, and Dr. Ruttman, one of the greatest Christians I've ever known personally, he said, the only way to build character is to do things you don't want to do. And he would say that in class, and I'd say, man, I hate that. Because <laughs> just about everything I don't want to do, any, I'm one of the laziest persons you're going to meet. And, and then to find out that the only way you're going to build character, this is an 80-year-old man who's lived life like only, only I wish I could live. He tells me at the end of his life, he says, Keegan, the only way you're going to build character is to do things you don't want to do. 
Well, that's what Jesus Christ said. He got that idea from reading and being around the man Jesus Christ. As Jesus Christ said, if you want to be a disciple of mine, you need to deny yourself, pick up your cross daily, and follow me. In other words, there's a denial there. Discipline is a dirty word that no American wants to hear. And that dirty word is no. (laughs) No. You must learn to tell yourselves, brothers and sisters, N-O. No. You must learn to slap your own hand away from things. You must learn to slap your own mouth mouth from saying things. You must learn to keep your mind slapped down from thinking things. It's a discipline of no, no, no. And we're living in a society of, of, raised, of people that are raised being told, yes, yes, yes. It's, it's, it's horrible to see how people are raising their kids nowadays. I feel sorry for these kids. They're doing a disservice from their kids, telling their kids, yes, yes, yes. Spoiling them, spoiling them, spoiling them. If you want to do something for your kids today, just go home and look them in the face and say no. But mama, I didn't ask for anything. No. <laughs> Daddy, I didn't say anything. I didn't even ask. No. I just want to go ahead and tell you right now. No. When you're raising your kids and they'd come in and they had that look on your face and before they could ever say anything, you'd just say, before you say a word, no. <laughs> no. Hopefully you did tell your kids no, Amen. We tell them no, not because we hate them. We tell them no, not because we want to hurt them or mistreat them or to make their lives miserable. We tell them no because we simply love them. If you don't love your kids, if you don't have any love for your kids, you'll tell them yes. Because yes is the easiest word to say. Yes, go out and do what you want to do. Yes, just get out of my face. A lot of times parents, and I hate to say this, I was one of those parents, a lot of times we would say yes just because it was easier than saying no. Amen. We just say, just yes, just get out of my, just stop, leave me alone, stop badgering me, just yes, go ahead, go do what you want to do. If it wasn't, but that's a lack of discipline. We as Christians need discipline. A training that corrects and molds and perfects the mental facilities and the moral character. We as Christians need more character. We need better character. We need a better testimony. If we're going to get a better testimony, we're going to have to have better discipline. And that's what Paul's talking about here, having better discipline. Guys, as a boxer, it says there in verse 26, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air. A a boxer, a when a boxer's learning, he says, not as one that beat us the air. When a fighter, a boxer's learning how to box, he doesn't show up and start boxing. Guys, you got to discipline yourself. you got to train yourself. There's a way a boxer stands. There's a way a boxer leans. There's a way a boxer bends his elbows. There's a way a boxer keeps his hands. There's a way a boxer leans. There's a way a boxer leans back. There's, the, the boxing is a science. Brothers and sisters in Christ, when you see boxers on TV, it's a science. These guys have trained for years and years and years in the science of boxing. As a matter of fact, they call it the sweet science of boxing. Uh, When Ronda Rousey, one of the female MMA fighters, she was having a great comeback. She wanted to come back and fight. Uh, They had her, and they showed her with her trainer, and it showed her, and she was just boxing. They had this uh, punching bag, and she was just hitting the mitts, and then she was hitting the bag, and it showed her just hitting it like that, and she was trying to really impress the media, because the media was there filming her, and she was just going like this, and the guys, not me, but the guys who really know a lot about boxing, they said, that's a scary-looking thing. And to me, I'm thinking, well, she looks good, man. She's just pounding away. Look at her. She's pounding away. They said, that's a scary thing because she's not doing a very good job of boxing. Anybody can hit the mitts, but they wanted to see her sparring. In other words, they wanted to see her holding her elbows right, holding her knees right, leaning back, keeping her hands up. So what happened? She went into this fight, big mega fight. She was going to make millions of dollars. She went in. She got beaten 30 seconds. And what happened was the other girl, she was Brazilian, she ran over there and she just hit her once, hit her twice. And when she got hit in the face, she didn't know how to handle it. And she backed up and that girl just beat her up and and she was out. And that's the end of that fight. And the boxers, the people who knew boxing, they told you months and months ago, that's exactly what was going to happen. Why? Because it's a science. It's a training, guys. As a Christian, when you're a, when you're a Christian and you're a mature Christian, you can see other babes in Christ and you can see the mistakes they're making. Amen. You can see them making mistakes. You can say, oh, man, they're, they're just, it's not going to work out doing it that way. 
There's a certain way to do it. There's a certain way to be trained. There's a certain way to be discipled. If you're going to be a kind of Christian that doesn't read his Bible, that doesn't pray, that doesn't try to do the things the Lord wants you to do, you're going to have a hard time living the Christian life. That's why so many Christians are falling out. That's why so many people's faith is falling away. Because they're not disciplined. They're not living a disciplined Christian life, guys. That's important to the Lord. There's a certain way you're supposed to do it. So what does this tell us? This simply tells us this. You need a plan, a training regiment. You need a plan, and you need to stick with it. Amen. I'm here to tell you this morning. That's what I'm preaching at you this morning. As Christians, brothers and sisters in Christ, you need a plan, a disciplined plan, and you need a plan, and you need to stick with it with it a lot of us are a lot of us don't have any plan at all and we need to get a plan together and that's not a plan i can give you i'm going to give you some ideas of what you need to do but you need as a christian say i'm going to starting today i'm going to discipline myself i'm going to discipline myself i'm going to make a plan i'm going to stick with it this isn't a plan like a new year's resolution where you have a diet that you're going to stick with for a couple of weeks we're talking about having a good habit Everybody talks about habits, and a lot of people like to, tend to talk about bad habits. That's a bad habit. I have a bad habit of doing this. But guys, there's not only bad habits, there's good habits. You can create good habits, and we all as Christians need better habits, good habits. You need to have a plan. You need to stick with it. So let me start out with the first plan of discipline. I'm going to give you some ideas this morning, and maybe you'll find some on your own, but I can give these are the basics. As far as boxing or running, there's basics. Tyler could tell us there's basics to running. There's basic things you need to know about running, how to breathe, how to run, how, to, how, to, how not to be gassed out. And there's basics to boxing. There's basic ways you hold your elbow. These are going, I'm going to give you this morning the basics of Christianity, the basic things you need to do that you need to discipline yourself if you want to be a better Christian. So when you get up and meet your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, when you see him face to face, maybe, Lord willing, you won't be embarrassed and he'll say, well done, my good and faithful servant. That's what I want to encourage you with this morning. So we're going to talk about the plan to be a more disciplined Christian. Turn to Mark chapter 1. Turn to Mark chapter 1. The first discipline you need to have as a Christian, and this sounds so simple, it's, but it's profound, the first plan you need to have as a Christian, turn to Mark chapter 1, verse 35. The first plan you need to have as a Christian is you need to have the plan of prayer. You need to be disciplined in prayer. You need to be disciplined in prayer. Disciplined in prayer. As a Christian, we need to have a discipline of prayer. Mark chapter 1, verse 35. Of course, this is our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Notice what it says here. And in the morning, rising up a great while before day, he, Jesus Christ, went out and departed into a solitary place and there prayed. Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, as the Son of Man, was very disciplined in his prayer life. And you'll find this all through the New Testament, all through the Gospels. Jesus Christ was praying all through the Gospel. He was a man of prayer, and he was disciplined in prayer. It says he rose up, it says, in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Guys, I want to tell you, as a discipline in prayer, you need to be praying first thing in the morning, early in the morning. The first sign, guys, listen to me. Listen to me. If you listen to anything this morning... If you listen to anything I say this morning, listen to what I'm about to tell you. The first sign of a lack of discipline in a person's life is, the first sign is getting, is they sleep in too much. They sleep in. They're getting too much sleep. That's the first sign of a lack of discipline. We see this in teenagers, amen? We see this in teenagers because how many teenagers do we know? How many young men and women do we know? They spend all day in bed. They have a lack of discipline. They're spending all, they'll sleep in to noon to one o'clock. I mean, you can hear a pin drop in here. Are so, a lot of y'all doing that? That's a lack of discipline. You say, what? I want to be a Christian. Christian means Christ-like. Christ didn't stay in bed all day long. He got up before the sun came up, and he was in prayer in the morning, rising up a great while before day. Amen. Amen. That's your Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. 
You need to be disciplined. You need to be disciplined in prayer, and you need to get up and get out of bed and do something for the Lord. A lot of you say, uh, well, Brother Keegan, I've got to be at work at a certain time. Well, listen, you need to find a way to get yourself up a little bit earlier to get into prayer with the Lord. I know y'all know. <laughs> I hadn't had a prayer. I hadn't had a sermon like this with a lack of amens in a long time. But that's okay. I knew this wasn't going to go over. This doesn't go very well with me. But uh, when you think about the Lord and him getting up early in the morning and the lack of sleep and the lack of discipline people have about getting up and getting up out of bed and disciplining themselves. Think about this. When you give a tithe, and I think a lot of y'all try to tithe to the Lord the best way you can, and I'm not talking about, you know, I'm not trying to talk about money this morning. I'm just talking about tithing. What are you going to do for the Lord? The Lord teaches us about tithing is we're supposed to give off the top. Amen. Okay? We, when you're talking about tithing, we get in, you get in some money, and you say, you know, I want to give to the Lord. The Lord teaches us that we need to tithe off the top. You give the first fruits to the Lord. In other words, the first of whatever you've got in, we try to say, okay, whatever it is, I'm going to tithe this. Whatever, whatever the Lord's laid on your heart, guys, because it's a free will offering. You say, I'm, I'm going to give this, and usually we try to give it off the top. We don't try to give it at the end. The worst thing you can do for the Lord is say, okay, I'm going to wait till I've spent all my money, given all this away, doing whatever I want to do with my money, and then whatever I have left over, then I'm going to give that to the Lord. That's not the way the Lord teaches. The Lord teaches you need to give it off the top. It's a first fruit, okay? Well, if that's what we believe, that's a teaching from the Lord about tithing. That's a teaching we need to keep in mind about giving back to the Lord and discipline. We need to give the first. Amen. The first Part of the day belongs to the Lord. The first, we give the very top. So when you wake out of bed, you don't, the first thing you don't give is to your work, to your job, or to the TV. Or the first thing you need to give that day that God was so gracious, God was so gracious to give you that day, amen. There's so many people around the world, they don't wake up the next day. Or they wake up in a hospital, or they wake up hurting. If, you, if, you, if the Lord's blessed you enough that you've woke up and you, you're able to get out of bed, you need to give that first part of the day to the Lord Jesus Christ. I believe give that tithe. Now, I don't know how much of that tithe. It's like a free will offering. I'm not telling you how much to give in money, how much to give as a tithe. And I'm not telling you how much to give of your time in the morning. But I believe you should give the first part of it to the Lord. Be disciplined and give that first part in prayer to the Lord. Pray to the Lord. Thank the Lord for getting you up in the morning. Thank the Lord for, you know, having a Bible, for having the breath of life. Thank the Lord for having some food to eat. Uh, talk to the Lord and say, Lord, you know, uh, I appreciate you. I love you. Thank you so much. Lord, there's things. That's your prayer life. Amen. This is, I'm not telling you what to pray. I'm just telling you to pray. Amen. I'm telling you to be disciplined in your prayer life. One of the things that was wrong with me as a, as a, as a Christian for so many years, so many years, is I did not pray. I was not a praying Christian. I believed Jesus Christ, my Lord and Savior, but my prayer life was about zero. I just, didn't, I just didn't have any kind of faith to pray. I didn't stop to pray. I was too busy to pray, and that was a sin. That was a sin in my life, and I needed to be, that was a lack of discipline. That was a lack of, a, that was a bad habit, and I needed to create a good habit, and a good habit is to get up in the morning and to pray and give it to the Lord, to be disciplined in your prayer life. Uh, David says in Psalms 55, 17, he said, evening, morning, and noon, I will pray, will I pray and cry aloud, and he shall hear my voice. So it's not just praying in the morning, guys. You need to be praying during the day, during the morning, during the evening, at noontime. When you, get down, when you get done with work, whatever you're doing during the day, you need to pray before you go to bed. Guys, prayer is a, it, prayer is a discipline, and it's so hard to pray. Prayer is, a, prayer is a way of showing your faith. There's nothing that shows more faith for you to pray to somebody and have to imagine, okay, God's listening. I have faith to believe that God's listening to what I have to say, and he's hearing what I have to say, and he can answer what I'm asking him or saying to him. Amen. That takes faith. It does take faith. That's a great amount of faith. And we should have discipline to, be, to go into that faith and to pray, pray and talk to the Lord. A lot of us who have kids in here, if there's one thing we would say about our kids, anybody, if there's one thing we'd say about our kids, it'd be this. I wish they would talk to me more. I wish they would communicate with me more. I wish they would call me more. Amen? Amen. So uh, that if, if, we as, if we as mothers and fathers have that kind of love for our children where we want them to communicate with us more, how much more do you think the father would want us to communicate with him? 
more. And some of us guys, we are disciplined in our life to call our parents every day, check up on our mom, check on our dad, just check on them. We try to call them, just make sure everything's okay. If we're going to be disciplined enough to do that with our earthly parents, we need to be that much more disciplined with our heavenly Father who's up in heaven, who's given us so much. So we need to be disciplined in prayer. Turn to Matthew 20, turn back a couple of pages to Matthew 26. Turn to Matthew chapter 26, verse 40. We need to be disciplined, disciplined in our prayer life. Have a disciplined prayer life. And it takes discipline. This is not something that's going to come easy. Remember, I was talking about it. it's not something you won't want to do. Every morning is not something you're going to want to do, but you need to be disciplined. So many of us in here, especially us older folks, amen, we're disciplined to take our medicine every day. Amen, we're disciplined. We're disciplined. We make sure we take that medicine every day. We take that medicine, we got pill boxes out there, we got it labeled, we make sure we take it, we lay, we lay it wherever we can see it, and that's we need to be more disciplined in prayer to the Lord the same way. In Matthew chapter 26, verse 40, Jesus Christ is at the Garden of Gethsemane, he's about to be betrayed, and he asks the disciples to pray with him. Look at verse 40, and he cometh unto the disciples, and findeth them asleep. He finds them asleep. The first and greatest sign of a lack of discipline, guys, is sleeping too much. Get out of bed. And saith unto Peter, what? Could you not watch with me one hour? Couldn't you just get up with me for one hour? Verse 41, watch and pray, Jesus says, that ye enter not in temptation. That's why it's so important to pray. You're praying so you won't enter into temptation, guys. You want to understand, you want to... You want to question why you can't live that Christian life? You want to question why you do some of the sins that are in your life? Well, the answer nine times out of ten is you're not praying enough. You're not staying close to the Lord. It's hard to commit a sin when you're talking to the Lord, amen? Uh, you need to be in prayer to the Lord, be communicating with the Lord. It's a, lot, it's a lot harder to commit a sin when you're communicating with the Lord all through the day. All through the day. A lot of us get into trouble with some of our sins, but it's when we get alone, it's when we get away from everybody. That's when we commit some of these sins we're doing. And the point is, we keep people around us so we'll behave ourselves, amen? The parents stay around to behave ourselves. Well, when you're communicating with the Father on a daily basis throughout the day, you're communicating with the Father, it's a lot harder to do those sins because why? The Father's with you, you're with Him, you're communicating with Him. You see the point I'm trying to make? And you enter into, not into temptation. Look, the spirit, the spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. Amen. The problem, guys, is not you, the Holy Spirit's in you and, and your spirit's saying, oh, I want to do this, Brother King, and I want to. Hey, guys, we all want to live a better Christian life. We all want to be better for the Lord. We all want to live that Christian life that the Lord's going to be happy with us. I know your heart. You've got the right heart, amen? If you didn't have the right heart, you wouldn't even be in here this morning. You have the right heart, but the problem simply is, is you, is your flesh, is this body you're encased in. And you need to keep in mind that Jesus Christ says, it is weak. So when something's weak, you've got to discipline it, you've got to spank it, you've got to keep it down, you've got to work on it, guys. Uh, it's it's going to be a fight. I'm not telling you it's going to be easy. I'm not trying to tell you this morning, oh, this is all so easy. No, but this is a di discipline is not easy. But the Lord Jesus Christ expects us to be disciplined if you're going to be a disciple of Jesus Christ. We need to be disciplined in this stuff. Another discipline we need to have, find back. Let's go back to, let's go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 9, and I'll show you this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 9. Let's go back to what Paul was talking about. And he mentioned something there. And then we'll turn back to Luke. But he mentions something there, and I'll, I'm going to show you this to you. In verse 26, 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. He says, verse 26, he's talking about that race and that fight. He says, I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. Not as uncertainly. So Paul's saying, I'm doing this stuff, I'm fighting, I'm running, I'm boxing, I'm doing all this stuff, not because I'm uncertain of what's happening, not because uncertainly of how I'm doing it. He goes, he's basically saying there, he's saying, it's not uncertainly with me. Paul says, I'm certain of what I'm doing. So another discipline, the second discipline I want to encourage you to have as a Christian, and you need to discipline your life, and you know this is coming, you know I'd bring this up, is Bible reading. 
You need to be disciplined in your reading of the Word of God. Amen. You need to be disciplined, guys. Uh, if there's one thing I know about Christians is if they get away from the Lord is they're getting away from the Bible. They get away from the Lord, they stop praying, and they stop reading the Bible. That's the two main faults of every Christian. We need to be more in prayer, and we need to be better about reading our Bible. Amen. It's a simple formula, guys. This isn't something you never heard before. It's so simple, but we need to hear it. And we not only need to talk about it, guys, it's time, it's time, listen to me, it's time to stop talking about it, it's time to stop thinking about it, it's time to do it, okay? It's time to be disciplined, it's time to get in the middle of it, and let's start doing it. Look, look back at Luke chapter 1, look back at Luke chapter 1, I'm going to show you some things about Bible reading. Luke chapter 1. Now, I'm showing you the verses so you'll know I'm just not making this stuff off the top of my head, this stuff's important. To, be, to, be a, to discipline yourself in Bible reading. Get up in the morning and read your, the Word of God. Look at Luke chapter 1. Look at verse 1. Get up in the morning and read the Word of God. Get up in the morning. You want to get up in the morning. Be disciplined in the morning. Get up in the morning. Pray to the Lord. And secondly, you need to be reading your Bible. Look at verse 1 of Luke chapter 1. And this is Luke and he's talking to Theophilus and he's telling him why he's wrote this. Gospel. For as much as many have taken in hand to set forth in order a declaration of those things which were, are most surely believed among us. So these are things Paul, Luke is saying, I believe every bit I'm writing to you, even as they delivered them unto us. Notice in verse 2, which from the beginning were eyewitnesses. So these are all eyewitness accounts and ministers of the word. They're ministers of the word. These, these are the, this is the word that's been written down, and these are ministers. These guys have wrote this stuff down, and they're getting it to you. Guys, you've got the word of God in your lap. It seemed good to me also, having had perfect understanding of all things from the very first, to write unto thee in order, most excellent Theophilus. He's telling this man, Theophilus, I'm writing this stuff to you. I want you to understand this. And I want you to understand these are ministers of the word. We heard all this from the beginning, but notice in verse 4. That, why, why is he writing all this? Why is the word of God written for you? It's written for this simple reason in verse 4. That thou mightest know the certainty of those things wherein thou hast been instructed. We read the word of God so we can be certain of what we believe. Guys, it's important to be disciplined in reading the word of God so you can be certain what you believe and what you're teaching others. The reason why so many people are led off into these false cults, be it Jehovah's Witness, be it Mormons, or whatever it is, is because they're not certain of what they believe the Word of God says. You know why, you know why it would be impossible to lead me into a false cult? Because I'm certain what the Word of God says. Amen. You need to be certain what the Word of God says. And you're not going to be certain enough just coming on Wednesday nights, just coming on Sundays and reading the Bible and hearing preaching and studying the Bible. You need to do it on your own. You need to be disciplined on your own. In Proverbs 22, I'm going to read this to you. I don't want to make you turn. I've been making you turn so much, but I'm going to turn to Proverbs 22 and I'm going to read you what uh, Solomon said uh, to his son and what, what he was saying here. Proverbs 22 Verse 20, he says, have not, he's, Proverbs twenty two twenty. he says, have not I written, written to thee excellent things in counsel and knowledge? Yes, you have. Why did he write these things? Verse 21, that I might make thee know, I might make thee know the certainty of the words of truth. All these things, God's wrote all this stuff for you so you can be certain of what the words of truth are. You've got these words so you can be certain. Guys, you've got the book in your lap. If you're not certain about it, open it up and read it. See how disciplined you need to be disciplined in these things so you can be certain. Paul says, I'm not uncertain of what I'm doing. Why is Paul not uncertain? Because he knows the words of truth. If you want to be certain of what you believe, you want to be certain of why you're fighting, why you're running, why you're living a Christian life. You want to be certain of these things? You need to be reading the Word of God. And you need to be disciplined in your reading of the Word of God. He says to be certain of the words of the truth that thou mightest answer the words of truth to them that send unto thee. He basically is saying right there, he's saying, I wrote all this study so you can be certain of the words of truth so when somebody asks you, you can tell them what the truth is. Amen. We're not, we don't, 
it's not about what Brother Keegan says or what some other preacher says. Or, it's all about what does the Word of God say. Chapter and verse. Chapter and verse. What's the chapter and verse of why you believe what you believe? But you've got to be disciplined in your Bible reading, guys. And John chapter 8, verse 2, it's very interesting. It says about Jesus Christ, it says, an early, listen to me, it says in John chapter 8, verse 2, it talks about Jesus Christ, and it says, and early, early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came unto him, and he sat down and taught them. Early in the morning. Amen. If you didn't get up early in the morning, you know what you missed out on? The teachings of Jesus. If you slept in and got up at 10 o'clock or 12 o'clock or 1 o'clock and you're sleeping in and you're not disciplined enough to get your body out of bed, you know what you missed out? You didn't get down to the temple and you missed out on Jesus Christ teaching and what he taught. See, Jesus Christ, he could have waited to 10 o'clock. He could have waited to noon. He could have waited to 8 o'clock in the evening. He could have waited. That's what the world does. That's the, what the world teaches you to do. You don't get moving until 5 or 6 o'clock in the evening. Jesus Christ came early in the morning. Amen. Jesus Christ, he decided he was going to teach early in the morning. Guys, I can't tell you scientifically what the truth is about this, but there's some science behind it. There's something about when your brain is shut down and you get up early in the morning, you're ready to receive what he wants you to receive. And maybe you haven't been around the world and been corrupted by the world and had time for your mind to think of all these evil things and you're fresh and your mind is relaxed and your body's relaxed and God says, now I can download into this Christian what I want them to know. But it's going to happen early in the morning. I can't encourage you enough to get up early in the morning, early in the morning, this is your own routine. You make your own routine, amen. But make your own regiment, but get up, whenever, but get up early in the morning Pray to the Lord and be disciplined enough to read your Bible. Y'all you, probably get tired of me harping on that, but you know why I harp on it so much? Because it's that important. Amen. I know what the problem with Christianity is, is they've rejected the words of God. Amen. That's what the problem is. And they don't know their Bible. And they're Bible ignorant. And if you're not going to be, if you're going to stop being so biblically ignorant, then you're going to have to start reading the Word of God. And you're going to have to be disciplined to do that. It says in Acts chapter 17, verse 11, it says about the Bereans. It says that these were more noble than those in Thessalonica. Why were they more noble? And that they received the Word with all readiness of mind and searched the Scriptures daily, whether those things were so. The Bereans, the Bible says, were more noble because they searched the scriptures daily. That's found in Acts chapter 17, verse 11. It didn't say how much they were searching the scriptures. It didn't say that they read their Bible through in a year. It didn't say that. It said, though, that they searched the scriptures daily. If you only search one verse a day, whatever you do, search the scriptures I'm here to tell you, if you're reading through your Bible and saying, I've got to read my Bible through in one year, and you're reading so much of your Bible, you're not getting nothing out of it, then you need to slow down. Amen. You'd be better served to get up in the morning and say, I'm going to read just five verses out of Psalms. But those five verses out of Psalms, or those five verses out of the Gospel, or those five verses out of the letters of Paul, wherever it is in the Bible you're reading, those five verses, those ten verses, I'm going to read and I'm going to pay attention to what I'm reading and I'm going to meditate on this stuff. You'd be better served to do that than to try to read through and try to get through a plan, a reading plan. Whatever the Lord's laid on your heart to do, you need to do it. But whatever, whatever you do, be disciplined enough to search the Scriptures daily and do it early in the morning. I encourage you to do it. Be disciplined to get up in the morning. Be disciplined to pray. Be disciplined to, for Bible reading. And guys, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, I'm going to close by this. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, back where we started. Back where we started. There's one last discipline you need to have. There's one last discipline. I've shown you need to be disciplined in prayer. I've shown you need to be disciplined in your Bible reading. I've shown you need to be early in the morning about it. Some of y'all are not going to like that. But that's okay. That's okay. You can take it between you and the Lord. Amen. You do what the Lord lays on your heart to do. 
I'm just showing you what the Bible taught Jesus Christ did as the Son of Man. Early in the morning, early in the morning. I've given you the verses. Y'all got them. But back in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 26. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly. He's certain about it. So fight I, not as one that beateth the air. He knows he's got a plan. He's got a regiment. He's got good habits. Good habits, guys. Verse 27. But I keep under my body and bring it unto subjection. Third discipline you must have is a discipline of good conduct. A discipline of good conduct. Amen. You must act and conduct yourself as a Christian. And I'm not here to tell you, living the Christian life is the hardest thing to do. Amen. Why is it so hard, Brother Keegan? Well, let me tell you straight out. It's hard to do because it's the right thing to do. It's always hardest to do the right thing. It is, guys. Uh, it's easy. It's easy to hate people that hate you. It's real easy to, to lash out at people. It's real easy to say things that you shouldn't be saying. It's real easy to do things you shouldn't be doing. It's real easy just to let this wicked, vile mind just run free with all its thoughts. Amen. To let that mind start wandering and start dwelling on things that it shouldn't be dwelling. And just easy to... Not to have any discipline, amen. No discipline. Don't tell yourself no. Just keep saying, yes. Yes, I want to hate. Yes, I want to say those things. Yes, I want to think these things. Yes, I... that's why we have such wickedness in the world today. We have men and women, especially the men in this country, that have allowed their minds just to run free with these wild thoughts. And Satan's so good to... He's created the internet and he's so good to give us the pictures and to give us the, the visuals and the imagery to supply these wild ideas, these wild thoughts. And we just, as, as the world, just these men and women in this world, they just allow their mind just to run free. Just undisciplined. And then one day you're thinking about it and then one day you're doing it. And you look up and you say, why am I doing this? Why did I do that? And for years and years, it's because you were thinking about this and thinking about that. There's things that men and women do and you look about it and you see it in the paper. You hear about it in the news and you're like, good grief. How could, how could anybody do that? Well, friends, it didn't just happen that day. That sin didn't just happen that day. That was something that had been growing for years and years and years. There's thoughts. There's meditation. There's ways of thinking. There's ways of talking. There, there's ways you're conducting yourself. And it leads up to these sins that you see so wicked in the world today. You cannot live your life with a lack of discipline and expect to succeed in life. Amen. You can't. You, I'm talking about anybody, Christian or not Christian. I don't care who you are underneath the sound of my voice. You could be the biggest atheist that the world's ever known. If you're living a life of undisciplined, you're living a miserable, worthless life. You've got to be disciplined to go to school. You've got to be disciplined to be a college graduate. You've got to be disciplined to go to work. You've got to be disciplined to comb your hair, to brush your teeth, to take a shower. You've got to be disciplined in these things. And you've got to take that same discipline that a lot of us already have that was, thank God, given to us by our parents to brush our teeth, to, to, to uh, have clean clothes, to take a shower, to, to, to try to do the right. Those discipline, we need to take that kind of discipline and we need to apply it to our Christian life. Amen. You can't take your Christian life and say, oh, it'll just take care of itself. It just, you know, Brother Tyler, he didn't just show up in a car when he's going to run the races. He ran, and because uh, I've seen him running, man, runs like a deer. He didn't just show up and jump out of the van with all the other kids and start running down the track and just run, you know. He had to get himself ready. It took discipline to get himself ready. There's things he couldn't do because he knew he was going to be racing that day. There's things boxers can't do because they know I'm going to be boxing that day. I'm, I've got to be disciplined. You can't live an undisciplined life and expect to have a good Christian life. It's an impossibility. Listen to me, Christian. You need to keep your body under subjection. You need to keep everything you have, your flesh, under subjection. Because it'll get away from you. Listen, as a Christian, every word you say represents Jesus. Every 
thing you do represents Jesus to a lost world. Everything you're saying, everything you're doing to a lost world, they see it as Jesus. You're an ambassador for Christ, and you represent Jesus to so many people. And when you're acting a certain way, and you're talking a certain way, they're saying, that's not the Jesus I want. That's not the Christianity that I want. And can you blame them? Think about what brought you to Jesus Christ. What brought you to Jesus Christ? Use a lot of us in here, and Brother Joker, we've talked about the people he's been around. What brought you to Jesus Christ was good, disciplined Christians. Amen. That were disciplined to say, hey, I want you to join with me in this Bible study. I want you to join with me in prayer. I want you to go to church with me. They were disciplined in their Christian life, and they encouraged you, and it led you to accept Jesus Christ. And now that you're a Christian, now that you've received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, now, friends, we need to have the same discipline in our life so we can lead others to the Christian life. So many people don't want to become Christians because there's so many undisciplined Christians out in the world today that are living an undisciplined Christian life that they have no sign of Christ in their life. And the reason why you have no sign of Christ in your life is because to have Christ in your life, to have Jesus Christ manifest out of you, you must have a disciplined Christian life. It don't just happen. You don't just wake up and say, okay, I'm going to be a Christian today. You've got to be disciplined. You've got to pray. You've got to read your Bible. You've got to conduct yourself in a disciplined manner. You know, uh, there was a king, and this king, I'm going to close with a couple of stories. This king he had a captain in his army. And the king heard about this captain's army, and this is a great captain. And he's winning all these battles. And he was, such a, he was such a great captain of his army that the enemy would talk about his sword. He's got, he's got this amazing sword. And they were worried about this, the captain's sword. So the king says, I want to see the captain's sword. So they sent the sword to the, uh, of the captain to the king. The king looked at the sword, and the king said, send this back to the captain. I don't see anything special about the sword. And he sends the sword back to the captain. And word got back to the king from the captain. The captain said, if the king would have asked for the arm and the heart that wielded the arm of that sword, he would understand why the enemy is scared of that sword. Y'all get that? Listen, if people understood that Jesus Christ is living in us, and we could just be a sword that the Lord could use. They want to understand the one that's behind us, the one that's in us, he's the one that makes us so powerful. The mystery is not that Keegan is anything special. You look at Keegan, I'm just some old rotted, rusty sword. There's nothing special about this sword. But what makes Keegan special is when I allow and live a disciplined life and allow Jesus Christ to work out of me. You know, uh, Longfellow, the great poet, he could take a worthless sheet of paper, write a poem on it, and make it worth $6,000. Now, that's genius. Oh, Rockefeller could sign his name to a piece of paper and make it worth a million dollars. That's called capital. An artist can take a 50-cent piece of canvas, paint a picture on it, and make it worth $1,000. They call that art. But God can take a worthless, sinful life Wash it in the blood of Christ. Put his spirit in it and make it a blessing to humanity. That's called salvation. Do you see how it's not the person, it's not the instrument, it's what's behind the instrument. It's the person behind the canvas. It's the person behind the pen. It's the person that's living in me that makes us so special. It's amazing when I, the Lord laid this uh, sermon on my heart to preach about discipline and how we need to have good habits that I was, I was, I was reading through Yahoo and this guy had uh, wrote this story and it's, he, he wrote this article, it's called Nine Habits of Highly Successful People from a Man Who Spent Five Years Studying Them. And these are nine habits of highly successful people. And this guy, Tom Corley, an accountant and financial planner, surveyed 233 wealthy individuals Mostly self-made millionaires on their daily habits. This guy says, I want to find out what they're doing, their daily habits are, that's causing these people to be so successful. He compared those answers to responses from 
128 lower earning individuals are those with less than 35,000 a year. That's me, okay? <laughs> he says, I want to study the habits of these people that are so successful, and then I want to study the habits of the people that, well, you know, act like Keegan Hall. That's the kind of people I want. So in his best-selling book, Change Your Habits, Change Your Life, Corley explains that wealthy people set themselves up for success in a few specific ways. And these are, there's nine habits that these success, all nine, these are nine habits that run across the board. Every one of these successful people had these nine habits. And I'm going to read these to you. And while I'm reading these to you, I want to show you that they're lined up exactly with what the Bible tells us. Here's, here's his findings. Number one, they get up early. They get up early. Amen? <laughs> the Bible says get up early to pray, get up early, John 8, 2, to learn from the Lord. Number two, they read Amen. a lot. The Bible, we read that, search the scriptures daily. Guys, you want to have a successful Christian life? Read a lot. The Bible, a lot. Number three, they spend 15 to 30 minutes each day on focused thinking. We call that prayer and meditation. Number four, they make exercise a priority. We keep our body under subjection. Amen. Amen. They spend time with people who inspire them. Amen. That's called going to church. They make, oh, excuse me, they pursue their own goals. That's called self-accountability. That's Romans chapter 14. We're all accountable for what each one of us are doing. Amen. They get enough sleep. Don't grow weary in well-doing. Take a Sabbath. Take a Sunday and get some rest. Amen. They get enough sleep. Number eight, they have multiple incomes. We've got an earthly income, amen, but we also have a heavenly income. Amen. And the last one is they avoid time wasters. Redeeming the time. In other words, they don't waste time. The Bible says redeem the time. That's nine habits that the world says, that's how you're successful. And the Bible through God, God through the Bible has been telling us for 3,000 years the exact same things. Amen. You want to be a, have a life of abundance? You need to be a disciplined Christian. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.